Lesson Three of the Elements of Ornithology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Elements of Ornithology by William Rushenberger. Lesson Three Birds of Prey. Order of Rapaces, or Accipitares. Zoological Characteristics, Habits, Division into two families. Family of Diurnae, zoological characteristics and habits of vultures, yellow vultures, king of the vultures, condor, Persictopterus of Egypt, griffins, tribe of falcons, division into two groups, noble and ignoble, falconry, common falcon, eagles, fisher eagles, sparrowhawks, kites, buzzards, harriers, characters and habits. Family of Nocturnae, characters and habits, owls, strikes, Duke. Order of Rapaces, or Accipitares, Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey are recognized by their beak, being hooked and terminated by a point which is sharp and bent downwards, and by their feet, being very strong and armed with powerful hooked nails. They are generally remarkable for their strength. The muscles of their thighs and legs are very voluminous, and give great power to their talons. Their tarsae are rarely elongated. All of them have four toes, the first of which, or thumb, is directed backwards. The nails of this toe, and of the internal toe, are the strongest, and there is often a very small palmate membrane betwixt the bases of the external toes. Their wings are large, and the interim, which affords place for the attachment of the principal muscles of flight, is generally very much developed and without lateral notches. It is also to be remarked that their nares are pierced through a membrane, called cera, which covers the whole base of the beak. All the rapaces live exclusively on flesh. They pursue other birds and even small quadrupeds and reptiles. They are also very powerful in flight. Like the passerinae and scansoriae, birds of prey are born generally naked, with the eyes closed, and cannot live without the assistance of their parents, who, during their tender age, supply all their wants. These birds form two families, the diurnae and the nocturnae, which may be distinguished by means of the following characters. Rapaces Diurnae, eyes directed from the side, the head and neck well proportioned, the external toe directed forward, and almost always united to the middle toe by a small membrane. Rapaces nocturnae, eyes directed forward, head very large and neck very short, external toe may be directed either forwards or backwards. Family of day birds of prey, or diurnae. The diurnae have their eyes directed sideways, the head and neck are well proportioned, the nares are pierced through a naked membrane, called cera, which covers the base of the beak. They have three toes in front, and one behind without feathers. And the two external ones are almost always united at their base by a short membrane. Flight powerful, the quills strong, the plumage close, the sternums large and completely ossified, and the fourchette semicircular, and widely separated. Finally, the stomach is almost entirely membranous, and the intestines of a small extent. The family of Diurnae is divided into three principal tribes, easily recognized by the following characters. Diurnal rapaces, having eyes even with the head, and talons proportionally feeble, a more or less considerable part of the head and neck destitute of feathers, vultures. Eyes even with the head, and talons proportionally feeble, head covered with feathers, griffins. Diurnal rapaces, having eyes surrounded by a projecting eyebrow which makes them appear sunk in the head, talons very strong, Falcons. Tribes of Vultures. The vultures, vulture, are recognized by the nakedness of a portion of the head or even of the neck, 
and by the form of their beak which is elongated and curved only at the end. These birds have a disagreeable aspect, a tainted odor, and their habits excite disgust. They are cowardly, and feed on the most putrid carrion rather than on living prey. The power of their talons does not correspond to their size, and they make use of their beak rather than of their claws. They are extremely voracious, but after they have been completely satiated, it seems, they can wait several weeks for an opportunity of feeding again. After they have eaten, their crop forms a large projection above the fourchette. They become dull and stupid, and a sanguineous fetid humor flows from the nose. The sense of smell in these animals is very fine, and enables them to perceive at incredible distances the remains of dead bodies which they seek for food. In Peru, Egypt, and some countries of the East, they are very useful to man, for they serve to cleanse the streets of animal remains that it is customary to throw there, and they may even be seen promenading many towns, in small bands, and watching even in the houses for recent or putrid dead bodies. Vultures live, generally, in pairs. They prefer building their nests on inaccessible rocks, and construct them of pieces of wood, joined together by a sort of mortar. The young are covered with down when born, and are fed on half-digested food, which is disgorged by their parents before them. Their wings are so long that when they walk, they keep them half-extended, and they often experience difficulty in taking to flight after alighting on the ground. Their ascent is slow but well sustained, and is always effected obliquely and by constantly turning about. The tribe of vultures is divided into four genera, namely, the vultures properly so called, the Saccharamphus, the Cathartes, and the Percnopterus, which are distinguished in the following manner. Vultures, having the neck, divested of feathers, as well as the head, the nares, transverse, and the head, without carmicles, vulture, properly so called. Vulture having the neck divested of feathers as well as the head, the nares transverse, and the head with carnacles, Saccharomphus. Vultures having the neck divested of feathers as well as the head, the nares longitudinal, Cathartes. Vultures having the neck almost entirely feathered, Percnopterus. Vultures properly so called are distinguished by their naked head and neck, by the rough or collar of feathers that surrounds the base of the neck, by their stout strong beak, and by the disposition of their nares. They have no fleshy excrescences on the head, and they belong exclusively to the old continent. The most widely diffused species is the yellow or fulvus vulture, Vultor fulvus, which equals and even surpasses the swan in size. It is found on all the mountains of the eastern continent. The Saccharomphus differs from the vulture properly so called in the fleshy caruncles which grow above the base of the beak. It inhabits the western continent. The genus consists of two species. The king of the vulture, Vultor papa, is a species of Saccharomphus of the size of the goose, which inhabits the warm parts of South America. It derives its name from the fear with which it inspires other species of vulture of the same country, the Pregnopterus arugu, which abandons its prey and always gives place to him. To this group also belongs the condor, or great vulture of the Andes, Vultor griffus, so famous, through exaggerated accounts, for its size and strength. It is not much more than four feet long, but its spread wings often measure more than ten feet, it flies higher in the air than any other bird. It inhabits the most elevated of the cordilleras of the Andes, and never descends to the plain except when pressed by hunger. Condors are frequently seen on the shores of Chile and Peru, feeding on the carcasses of whales that have been accidentally thrown upon the beach, or left by whalemen. Just before turning off from the beach, we came to the recent carcass of a mule, upon which seven large condors and a crowd of buzzards were feeding. They allowed us to approach so near that, had we been provided with arms, we might have shot them as they allure solely on the wing. These birds frequently destroy small animals. They sometimes form a circle around a sheep, or a goat, and, spreading out their wings, approach till they strike their prey, and then, falling upon it, devour the body, even to the bones. In the country they are caught by the following manner. 
a pen is formed of high palisades driven into the ground, and a fresh carcass is placed in the center. It is left alone. In a short time the condors, who sent their food for many miles, descend into it, and, while feasting, the peonies, laboring men in Chile are so-called, armed with clubs, and the body and limbs well protected with hide, enter the enclosure and commence the work of destruction. These birds cannot rise without running thirty or forty yards, which the limits of the pen will not allow, and they are clubbed to death, not, however, without making resistance, and occasionally inflicting very severe wounds on their pursuers. Three Years in the Pacific The Cathartes, which have no caruncles on the head, and whose nares are longitudinal and oval, are also found in America. There is one species, Cathartes vulturinus, also called Vultur californius, which approaches the condor in size, and has wings even longer in proportion. The tarsi are partially covered by the feathers of the legs. It inhabits California. The turkey buzzard, or garlinaza, Vultur aura, Cartartes aura, is of a bluish-black color, and as large as a cock. It is common in warm parts of the United States, and is occasionally seen as far north as New Jersey. It feeds upon carrion and filth, but never attacks living animals, except when helpless and unable to defend themselves. This bird is very common in Peruvian towns, where it acts the part of scavenger, and is for this reason protected by law. The Percnoptery, which are distinguished from all the preceding by their feathered neck and long slender beak, are of moderate size, and do not possess nearly so much strength as the other vultures, but they attack with greater avidity carrion and all sorts of filth which attract them from a distance, and they do not disdain excrement itself. The Pycnopterus of Egypt, Pharaoh's bird, Vultor Pycnopterus, or Vultor Leucocephalus, or Vultor Fuscus, is of the size of a crow. It is very common in the warm countries of the eastern continent, and it follows the caravans through the desert to devour all that die. The ancient Egyptians respected it on account of the services it rendered the country by removing dead bodies. It is often seen represented on their monuments. Even at the present day no injury is offered to it, and there are even devout Mussulmans who bequeath wherewith to support a certain number. In America there is another species of Pycnopterus, the Urubu, Vulturus Jolta, which performs the same services there. Tribe of Griffins These birds, Gepetos, have the head and neck almost entirely covered with feathers. The beak is strong, straight, hooked at the end, and inflated on the curve. The nostrils are covered by stiff bristles. There is a pencil of bristles under the beak. The tarsi are short and feathered to the toes. In their conformation and habits, they very closely resemble the vultures. Their talons are proportionally weak, and their wings are long and partially separate when in repose. When the crop is full, it projects at the lower part of the neck. The lamb vulture, Vulture barbarus, Falco barbatus, the Lemaire gyre, which the Greeks named Phene, and the Latins called Ossifraga, is the largest of the birds of prey of the eastern continent, the high mountain chains of which it inhabits. It is almost as large as the condor, and attacks lambs, goats, chamois, and, it is said, even sleeping men. Generally it endeavors to force animals to throw themselves from precipitous rocks, and devours them after they have been killed by the fall. His mantle is black, with a white line in the middle of each feather, and all beneath the body, as well as the neck, is of a clear, brilliant yellow color. Tribe of Falcons The diurnal rapaces composing this tribe have the head and neck covered with feathers, like the preceding, but are distinguished from them by their projecting eyebrows, which make the eyes appear as if they were sunk into the head, and give to the physiognomy of these animals an aspect altogether different from that of the vultures and griffins. These birds have a lofty, rapid, and sustained flight. Their sense of sight, which is more extended and clearer than in any other animal, enables them to perceive the smallest prey when they themselves are so high as to be out of the reach of our vision. Most of them feed willingly on flesh while it is yet palpitating. 
but when pressed by hunger they do not refuse dead bodies as has been generally believed and instead of eating their prey on the spot as the vultures do they bear it off to their eyrie the larger species attack mammals and birds others live on fishes some feed on reptiles and others are exclusively insectivorous the female is generally a third larger than the male and for this reason is often designated under the name of tarsel molting takes place but once a year and age induces such great changes in the plumage of these birds that naturalists have frequently mistaken varieties depending on this cause alone for distinct species the young are generally variegated with spots and longitudinal stripes while the old ones are more uniform in color and are rather striped transversely they are not clothed in their last or permanent livery until their third fourth or even sixth year and then the colors of their plumage differ according to the sex they all seize their prey with their talons some such as the falcon the kite etc precipitate themselves perpendicularly upon the animals they wish to possess others the buzzard and goshawks for example approach obliquely and attack sideways only they are generally silent and very difficult to tame though some of them can be trained to hunt on the wing this tribe which embraces a great number of species is divided into two principal sections namely noble birds of prey and ignoble birds of prey so named because the former are employed in falconry and the latter are not and each one of these sections is subdivided in its turn as may be seen in the following table diurnal birds of prey of the tribe of falcons having the wings pointed noble birds of prey the superior mandible armed with a notching near its point falcons properly so called the upper mandible having only a scallop near the point Caro falcons diurnal birds of prey of the tribe of falcons having the wings truncate at the ends ignoble birds of prey beak very strong straight at the base and curved only towards the point eagles beak curved from the base strong wings moderate gossuk beak curved from the base feeble wings long tail forked kites beak curved from the base feeble wings long tail equal feathers between the eye and beak honey buzzards tail equal a naked space between the eye and beak buzzards and harriers in the division of noble birds of prey the second quill of the wing is the longest and only exceeds the first one a very little which makes their wings pointed and influences their manner of flight very much when the air is calm their flight is always very oblique and to rise perpendicularly they have to fly against the wind falcons properly so called falco are recognized by the tooth or notching with which the upper mandible is armed on each side near its point and by their wings being almost always as long or longer than their tail in proportion to their size they are always the most courageous of all birds of prey a quality which corresponds with the power of their arms and the strength of their wings they are also the most docile of the hunting birds and the most important in the art of falconry as they are taught to pursue the game and return when they are called the principal species of this genus are the common falcon falcon communis which is the size of a hen and inhabits all the northern part of the globe the hobby falco subuteo the merlin falco escalion and the falco lithofulco which inhabit europe and when young resemble the common falcon the kestrels having shorter toes and their flight is not so rapid the duration of the life of the falcon is very great it is stated that in the year seventeen ninety three a person caught at the cape of good hope a falcon wearing a collar of gold upon which was engraved this bird in sixteen ten belonged to james i king of england it was consequently upwards of one hundred and eighty years old and still preserved its vigour the flight of the falcon is very rapid it commonly feeds on large birds such as pheasants pigeons ducks geese etc and to possess them it rises above its prey and pounces perpendicularly upon it this quality 
and the facility with which the common falcon may be trained caused it to be much esteemed when the great and wealthy were pleased to pursue game with birds as they do now with dogs this bird has given its name to the art of hunting with birds of prey the manner of training these animals was by shutting them up from the light exhausting their strength by fatigue and fasting and then presenting bait and accustoming them by degrees to pursue this or that kind of game the garofalcons here all falco have the tail much longer than the wings which are also large only one species is known the garofalcon or iceland falcon falco condicans and falco islandicus is most esteemed of all birds in falconry it is a fourth larger than the falcon and chiefly inhabits the northern parts of europe in the division of ignoble birds of prey the beak has no lateral tooth near its point but a simple scallop or festoon and the fourth quill of the wing is almost always the longest while the first is very short in consequence of this the wings are truncate at the extremity and their flight is more feeble they have been called ignoble because they could never be employed in falconry this section is very numerous and is divided as we have already seen into many genera which are subdivided again into subgenera many of which are sufficiently important to be noticed in this place the genus of eagles aquila comprises the strongest and most courageous birds of prey in the great tribe of falcons and is distinguished by the form of the beak it is subdivided into eagles properly so called fisher eagles ospreys harpies etc eagles properly so called aquila have the tarsi feathered to the roots of the toes and the wings as long as the tail their vision is wonderfully extensive and they are enabled to fix their eyes upon the sun by the aid of a membrana nictus which lessens the intensity of the light these birds are remarkable for the nobleness of their bearing and for their bold and daring attitude they are celebrated for their courage and as their habits are always in correspondence with their organization nature has endowed them with great strength and powerful arms they are fond of carnage and in general they prefer attacking animals of a considerable size it is only when they are pressed by hunger that they pursue small birds and they never eat carrion even when in a state of absolute want they generally live in pairs but do not permit other birds of prey to reside in the vicinity of their abode they do not even permit their young to share the domain wherein they are established and drive them off as soon as they are able to provide for themselves the male and female are generally seen at short distance from each other and they seem to have a sort of understanding with each other in hunting it is asserted that one of the two beats the bushes while the other awaits on some rock or neighboring tree to seize the startled game in its flight while the female is detained in the eyrie by incubation of her eggs or by the cares required by her young the male hunts alone and as it is the season when game begins to abound he easily provides for his own sustenance as well as that of his companion these animals can endure very long fasting particularly when captivity or maternal cares force them to repose a common eagle taken in a snare has been known to pass five weeks without taking any ailment and not appear enfeebled except during the last eight days the capacity of their crop is very considerable and this pouch may serve as a reservoir of food sufficient for several days eagles properly so called are found in all parts of the eastern continent and some species belong to new holland in general they inhabit the mainland and do not establish themselves either on narrow peninsulas or on islands unless they are of great extent they live on mountains and ordinarily construct their nests or eyries on the highest and most precipitous rocks or in the platform of some deserted tower these nests are of considerable extent and rest most frequently on some flat surface found amongst the rocks they are built of pieces of wood which are often five or six feet in length their interior is lined with moss and dry leaves and their height increases every year by the accumulation of the bones of animals which these birds bring to their nests in short eagles never change their eyrie the one they built for their first laying of eggs serves them for the remainder of their lives in the genus of eagles as well as in all other birds of prey the female is much larger than the male and seems to also be the most courageous she lays but two or three eggs each year 
and frequently rears only a single eagle at a time. The duration of incubation, at least for the imperial eagle, is thirty days. The common eagle, Falco fucus, Falco melanitos, Falco niger, which is also called yellow eagle or black eagle, and which has been distinguished by the name of royal eagle, from which it differs only in age, inhabits all the great forests of Europe, and is most particularly met with in the mountains of Sweden, Scotland, and the Tyrol. It feeds upon lambs and fawns, which it carries off with surprising force, and rarely attacks large birds. Its eggs are of a dirty white color, spotted red. The imperial eagle, Thalco imperialis, Aquila heliaca, has a shorter body, and longer wings than the common eagle. It inhabits the high wooded mountains of the south and east of Europe, and is quite common in Egypt. It pursues deers, roebucks, and other quadrupeds, from which it tears enormous shreds and carries it to the Erie. It is still more terrible to other birds, and to it are attributed most of the exaggerated accounts of the strength, courage, and magnanimity which the ancients gave of the golden eagle. The fisher eagles, Haliatus, differ from eagles properly so called in the Tarsi, only the upper half of which are invested with feathers. They keep near the margins of rivers in the sea, and live chiefly on fishes. The species which are designated by the names of Ossifragus and Pagargus are found in all the northern parts of the globe. The bald eagle, Falcolucocephalus, inhabits North America, and is constantly occupied in fishing. It is of a uniform deep brown color, with a white head and tail. Its beak is yellow, and it is almost as large as the common eagle of Europe. It is the figure of this bird that is represented in the national emblems of the United States. The ospreys, Pandian, have the beak and feet of the fisher eagles, only one species is known which is found along the shores of fresh waters in almost every part of the globe. It is the fish hawk or osprey, Thalcohaliatus. The great harpy of America, Thalcoharpia. Of all the birds, this possesses the most terrible beak and claws. It is superior in size to the common eagle. Such are its powers that it is said to have cleft a man's skull with its beak. Its ordinary food is the sloth, and it often carries off fawns. The genus of gossocks, Ostor comprises the gossocks properly so called, and the sparrowhawks. They have the tarsi scutelliated, that is, armed in front with large scaly plates, and are distinguished from each other by the length of this part of the claw. Though cowardly, they may be employed in falconry. The sparrowhawk, nisus, have the tarsi higher than the gossocks, but the transition from one division to the other is almost insensible. The kites, milvus, have a forked tail and excessively long wings, which makes their flight exceedingly rapid. Their tarsi are short and their nails weak, their beak is disproportional to their size, and they are the most cowardly birds in this whole tribe. The common kite of France, Falco Milvis, of all birds, sustains itself the longest and most tranquilly. The elegance of its flight has been celebrated by poets. It seldom attacks anything but reptiles. The buzzard, Ruteo, have very long wings, but their tail is equal, their feet are strong, and their beak is curved from its base. The only species found in France is the common buzzard, Falco Buteo. This bird dwells throughout the year in the forest, and appears stupid and idle. It often remains for several hours together perched upon the same tree. It does not seize its prey upon the wing, but awaits on a hillock of earth, a bush or tree, from which it pounces upon its victim. It feeds on young hares, partridges, young birds, and, when this game fails, even on toads, serpents, grasshoppers, etc. The nest of the buzzard is built of small branches and lined inside with wool or other soft substances. These birds lay two or three eggs, which are whitish, spotted yellow. The mother takes care of the young for a longer time than any other bird of prey, and, it is stated, that the male continues to feed them after the female has been killed. The harriers, circus, differ from the buzzards in their more elevated tarsi, and by a sort of collar formed on either side of the neck by the ends of the feathers that cover their ears. There are three species in France, 
namely the Falco Pygogaris, or bird of St. Martin, which builds everywhere, and keeps very much in the field, the Falco Cineraceris, which has the same habits, and the Falco Arigonosus, which keeps within the reach of watercourses and feeds on reptiles. The honey buzzards, Pernus, are distinguished from the rest of the tribe of falcons by the feathers which cover the space between the eye and beak, which space in all other birds of this tribe is ordinarily naked, and simply furnished with a few hairs. The common honey buzzard, Falco aprovaris, feeds on insects, and principally on bees and wasps. Many naturalists also place in the tribe of falcons the messenger, or secretary, Serpentarius, or Gripogenaris, a bird which inhabits the south of Africa, and which is very remarkable for the extraordinary length of its tarsi, but it differs too much from other birds of prey to be arranged in the same tribe as the preceding, and should constitute by itself a fourth division of the family of Diurne. The secretary, Falco Sepentarius, inhabits the dry and open grounds of the vicinity of the Cape of Good Hope, where it hunts reptiles on foot. Its claws consequently become much worn. I perceived one day, says Monsieur Smith, a secretary that made two or three turns on the wing, near to where I was. He soon settled, and I saw that he examined very attentively some object near the place where he alighted. Having cautiously approached, he extended one wing which he constantly agitated. I then discovered a serpent of large size, elevating its head, and seemingly awaiting the advance of the bird to strike him. But a quick blow of the wing of the secretary soon turned it over. The bird appeared to wait till the serpent should rise in order to strike again, but approached, and seizing it in his claws and beak, rose perpendicularly into the air, from whence he let it fall, and thus finished the killing, and afterwards disposed of it in perfect security. FAMILY OF NOCTURNAL BIRDS OF PREY The birds of prey of the family of Nocturnae have a very large head and very short neck. The eyes are directed forward, and surrounded by a circle of fringed feathers, the anterior of which cover the serrae of the beak, and the posterior, the opening of the ear. The pupil is very large, and the sight is weak. The external toe can be directed forward or backward at will. The apparatus of flight is not strong. The fourchette is weak, and the feathers are armed with soft beard, and are covered with very fine down. The gizzard is somewhat muscular. These birds, which are often designated under the collective name of owls, strix, are blinded by broad day, and only see well in the twilight, or at night when it is not very dark, the time they choose for hunting. And, as their silky feathers permit them to fly without noise, it is very easy for them to obtain possession of birds and small mammals upon which they suddenly pounce. There are some species that hunt even in the daytime, but during this period they generally retire into hollow trees or rents in walls. Sometimes they lay squat on branches of trees, and then all the little birds, of which they are the terror during twilight, come to tease and insult them. During the night they often utter plaintive cries, which the vulgar regard as unfortunate omens, but in reality these birds are more useful than injurious to agriculture, on account of the number of small mammals of the order of rodentia which they destroy. It is probable the large size of the head, and their habitual tranquillity, obtained for them the reputation for wisdom which they enjoyed among the animals. All the nocturnal birds of prey resemble each other very much, and the differences observed pass from one to the other by such insensible intermediate shades it is difficult to establish good generic differences in this family. Owls properly so called, eared owls, otis, have the disc of fringed feathers which surrounds the eyes very complete, and itself bordered by a circle of scaly feathers. They have movable tufts half the length of the head, the external ear very large and furnished in front with a membranous operculum, and the feet are feathered to the nails. The common owl, Strix otis, is frequent in France and the United States. Its length from the top of its head to the end of its tail is thirteen or fourteen inches, and its plumage is yellow with brown spots. It ordinarily inhabits forests, and establishes its retreat in caverns, deserted houses, in ruins, and during the whole night utters sad and plaintive groans. It often takes possessions of nests, abandoned by crows, ducks, etc. 
The howlers, ulula, only differ from the preceding owls in the absence of the tufts of feathers, which in common language are sometimes called horns. The screech owls, strix, resemble owls properly so called in the disposition of their ears, but are distinguished from them by the beak, which is elongated and curved only at the extremity, while in the other nocturnae it is arched from the base. They are without tufts, and instead of feathers have only hairs on the toes. The common species in France, known as the screech owl, Afray, is of all the owls most especially regarded by the people as a bird of ill omen. Its plumage is yellow, shaded with ash color or brown above, and prettily spotted black and white. It is found in Asia and America as well as in Europe. The hooting owls, Ceronium, differ from the screech owls in their auditory conch which is reduced to an oval cavity that does not occupy the half of the height of the cranium. Their feet are feathered down to the nails. The dukes, or horned owls, Bulbo, have tufts like the eared owls, and an auditory conch as small as the hooting owls, but they have the disc of feathers around the eyes less marked than the preceding owls. The grand duke, or great horned owl of naturalists, Strix Bubo, is about two feet long, and is the largest of all the nocturnae. It is common in the great forests of the eastern parts of Europe, and is also met with in France. Its food consists ordinarily of moles and small animals of the order Rodentia, but we are assured that it sometimes attacks young roebucks, and it often contends with buzzards and carries off their prey. The great horned owl of the United States, Bulbo virginius, which is found in all parts of our country, feeds on the gonadalus birds, domestic poultry, hares, opossums, etc. In former times, this owl was employed in falconry to attract the kite. They tied a fox's tail to the duke to render its figure still more extraordinary. It flew even with the ground and alighted in the fields without perching on trees. The kite, which perceived it from a distance, came and approached the duke, or great horned owl, not to attack, but rather to examine it and kept near it long enough to be taken by the hunters or by the birds of prey which they let slip in pursuit. The owls of the genera Noctura and Scora have the opening of the ear larger than ordinary birds, and the disc of feathers around the eyes smaller and less complete than in all the preceding owls. These characters coincide with the peculiarities of their habits, which bring them near to the diurnal birds of prey. In fact, many owls see sufficiently well in the day to distinguish and pursue their prey. The scopes have the head furnished with tufts. There is one species found in France, whose plumage is ash color spotted black. End of Lesson 3 Recording by Todd